want to welcome everybody to WordServe. My name is Pastor Bill, and as the video said, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I would love to meet you, hear a little bit about your story, where you're at, where you're headed, and I will stand right there by the door, and we'll lock every other door so you can't ignore me. <laughs> we are continuing our sermon. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to say that, the, yeah, there's a QR code if you missed the first time. If you missed it also, there's a one over here at the table you can snap. Uh, but do let us know that you're here. We want to know uh, how things are going with you. And we are continuing, continuing, this is easy for me to say, whoops, <laughs> I just advanced the wrong slide, our series called Good News People. So we are the people who have the good news. And if the world doesn't have enough good news, then guess whose problem that is? That's on us, folks. So here's what we've been talking about, where we've been uh, all those other ones that are before this date, if you want to catch them, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we're on the website, wordserve.org slash sermons. If you just want to cut the chase, get the sermon, go to the website. If you want the full meal deal, go to Facebook or YouTube. But we've been through all these other things. Today we are on Fig Free, and next week is Do the New. So Fig Free sounds like an interesting approach, because everything is free, right? Sugar-free, uh, gluten-free. Uh, taste-free, <laughs> fun-free. <laughs> it sounds like a good thing, but is it? That's what we're going to find out today. But uh, i got to start with a, a story uh, since we're talking about growing things and figs and such. Uh, I was in the Air Force for 21 years, and I am scarred by that experience. And it's probably not what you think. This is what scarred me. Yard of the month. I lived on base, uh, we lived on base in many of the places that we went, and uh, your tax dollars at work, they actually had some people that walked around base and graded yards, and you got a note if your yard was not up to snuff. I discovered this one day because my yard was looking good, and then the day before the inspectors came through, my neighbor mowed his yard. How dare he, right? <laughs> so so the, I got a note. I was like, man, you better shape up your yard or we're going to kick you off base. It's like, wow, that's kind of intense. Don't we have bigger things to take care of, like war on terror? Uh, I don't know. Weeds just didn't pop into the top ten of my priority. So uh, I was scarred by this yard of the month, and I thought, okay, I'm never going to win it. I just don't want to be the guy on the bottom of that list. All right? So I did the, what I had to do to not get a letter but not win yard of the month. And I thought, whew, I've survived. Guess what happened to me last November from the Homeowners Association? I got a letter. And it wasn't even my fault. So I, I, apparently there's a, a grub that lives under the ground and it eats the roots of your grass. And when that happens, the grass quickly you know, goes away. And uh, this was probably October, November. No, it was November, I remember. Wow, that rhymed. Uh, because we got the letter in November. It said, we've noticed your yard needs some attention. You need to fix this immediately. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, <laughs> rocket scientist, you know that nothing grows in the winter, right? You want me to get my yard green and, and mean here looking all good in December is basically what you've given me, right? And so I wrote them back as cordially as I could and said, I hear you. We've got experts that are taking care of these bugs. It's going to take time to regrow. I'm guessing it's not going to happen until the spring. And I thought, okay, we're done. Oh, no. <laughs> they said, we want results. And I said, then talk to God, because he's the only one that's going to fix this. <laughs> and so I finally convinced him, okay, give me until May. Let's just say May. And if you haven't noticed a vast improvement, 
you can take away my birthday. I don't know, what do you do? I, there's only so much a man can do, right? And so you'll all be happy to know that last May, the, you know, the experts took care of the bugs, the grass grew back, I got no more letters, but I didn't win yard of the month either. And I'm okay with that, I'm okay. But that's really what we're talking about today. We're talking about things that grow, things that don't grow, things that have stunted growth. And this is not something that um, is always comfortable to talk about. Because the parable that we're going to talk about today, when Jesus talks to the listeners, describes an unproductive tree. Now, Bible study tip. Whenever Jesus does a parable, stop everything you're doing and take some good notes. Because of all the things that Jesus says, when he tells a parable, he's encapsulating some principle that he wants you to take forward. And it is deep. It's like cheesecake. It's about this long, but man, is it dense. And it will get inside you, and it will work on you, and it will like change your mind and hopefully change our hearts. So anytime there's a parable, focus on that, meditate on that, soak on that. And that's a good place to start. But the problem with today's parable, he's talking about us. And if you don't believe me, let's, let's read this and, and see how it goes. Uh, where we're going to go, actually, let me, let me give you a framework here. Uh, we're going to talk about the fig free, but we're going to do it with these Ps. We're going to talk about the parable, the players, the point, and the psalms. Sometimes alliteration fails you, all right? <laughs> all right, so now to the reading. <laughs> this is what uh, Jesus says in Luke 13. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. Now there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. He went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. It's hard to hear a parable when it might be about us. It's easy to hear a parable when it's about the other. And that's exactly Jesus' genius here, because these people are asking some questions about, hey, what about all these people? What about these things that are going on? And it really boils down to, do bad things happen to good people? Yeah, they do. And Jesus tells them that. But here's the other thing. As we go through this, this framework and we're talking about this parable, understanding Jesus' point, and we'll get to it, they're asking, why did these people suffer? Is this God's punishment because they weren't up to snuff? And Jesus' answer is, no, it happens to everybody. Because there's one thing we don't know, and there's one thing we do know. We don't know when we're gone. We don't know when our time on earth is done. It could be in the next five minutes. It could be in the next 50 years. I don't know. I don't know. But here's what I do know. At some point, 
I will be face to face with my creator. And he's going to ask some hard questions. And he's going to look for fruit. And that fruit is not my fruit. It's the fruit of him working through me. And so our great challenge today, WordServe, is are we allowing God to work through us to produce that fruit of discipleship that I just prayed for? So this is better news than it sounds. Stick with me. Don't check out on me because we're going to get to a place where this is filled with joy. And that's the way that we should live, filled with joy. So as we look at all of the things that are going on here, let's, let's talk specifically about the parable first. The point that Jesus is making here is, and maybe you heard it a couple times, you're all going to die. I don't, I don't think that's a spoiler alert for anybody, right? But there's a difference between dying and perishing. Perishing in an eternal sense is really, really bad news. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be separated from God for eternity. I don't even want to be separated from God for a minute. Imagine an eternity without that. And so what Jesus is talking to these people, these are the people who maybe have, um, shall I say, a sense of entitlement, perhaps. These are, are what we would call good Jews. They've done everything right. They've obeyed the law. They've not caused any trouble. And when you hear about these other people being killed, um, you know, they, they've never had anything that dramatic in their life. They've just been good people, good church people. But maybe that's part of the problem. Because being good church people doesn't necessarily produce fruit. Ouch. Being good church people doesn't necessarily take that good news out into the world and transform other lives. Ouch. Am I saying don't be good church people? No, be good church people. But in addition to that, let's take some ownership of what's going on. Let's take some responsibility for letting God work through us. And then let's take that fruit out into the world and introduce other people to it. That's one of the reasons that we're trying to equip our conversations to give the questions that we can ask that don't sound weird. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, how, where do you find a sense of peace? Just out of curiosity. And don't try to judge the answer. Just out of curiosity, where do you find peace? Where do you find strength to go on from day to day? And if they tell you their answer, then maybe there's a, a, a secondary question that they ask. Okay, I told you my answer. Where do you find peace? Well, let me tell you. See, there's your opening. Now you just got to tell your story as God has worked through you. Share that fruit that God has done in your life. And if God's not producing any fruit in your life, then we're going to look at how to fix that as well. This is all good news. I promise that Jesus would not ask us to do anything that Jesus won't equip us to do. That's the guarantee today. Or your money back. And a free set of knives. I'm just checking to see if you're all with me. Okay, good. <laughs> So as we, as we go through here, listen to the, the, uh, the parable again. The parable has a fig tree growing in a vineyard. You have the, the vineyard owner, you have a caretaker, and you have the tree. So who are these players? Well, in, throughout the, the Old Testament, you can see examples where God is considered the vineyard owner. And the, the, the thing that is growing, whether it's vines or trees or whatever throughout the Old Testament, is often referred to as the nation of Israel. Or in, in this case, some individuals. And I would say, is it individuals or is it a nation? I would say it's both. Because who makes up a nation? <laughs> individuals. Who makes up a church? Individuals. But who takes the word out as the body of Christ? All of us, right? So 
it's us individually and it's us corporately all together that we're talking about as this tree. So God is the vineyard owner. We are the tree. You can look at that individually. You can look at that corporately or both. So who's this caretaker? Who do you think? I was waiting for the Sunday school answer, y'all. Jesus. I was trying lob softball over the plate. That's what I was looking for. All right, so <laughs> the caretaker, the one, look at what this is. Okay, now that you know the players, look who's saying this. The, the vineyard owner, i.e. God, says, looky here. Man, you take it. For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Does that parable take on new meaning for you now? Like, whoa, whoa, hey, you're talking about cutting me down. Where's my fruit? I want fruit. But who stands in the way? Who's the advocate? Jesus. There we go. Now we're hitting softballs all day long. Good. So here's what the advocate says. Sir, leave it alone for one more year. He's begging for more time. We've got some borrowed time. He says, oh, I, the caretaker, I will dig around it. I will fertilize it. Come back next year. If it's not bearing fruit, then you can cut it down. But give me one more chance. That's Jesus talking. And that is good news. I promise. Good news. So those are the players. The point is repent. How do I know that that's the point? Because Jesus says, this, this isn't rocket science, folks. Seminary is highly overrated. Did I mention that? Yeah. Just read the Bible and do what it says, and you're already there. But here's how I know that they're talking about repentance specifically, because these words that Jesus used and this analogy that Jesus used are also echoed by John the Baptist in Luke 3, verse 7 through 9. Listen to the parallels. Listen how John's language mirrors Jesus' language. John the Baptist said to the crowds coming out to be baptized him, you brood of vipers. See, now I've never started a service that way. I wonder if that was effective. <laughs> Would you all come back? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Again, not rocket science. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I mean, what does that mean? It means that they have a sense of entitlement, right? We're, we're the Jewish people. We have Abraham as our father. We don't have to do this thing, this new thing that you're doing. We're good. Now, where that translates to today, I think for most of us is, hey, Bill, I go to church. I don't have to do all that other stuff. I don't have to tell people about Jesus. I don't have to live a life. I don't have to sing a, a sound a clanging gong to let people know that I'm all that. That sounds like some, that was planned, totally planned, right? <laughs> but what what it takes, <clears throat> what it takes is us letting God work through us. It, it's hugely important. So <clears throat> coming back into this this uh, idea here of uh, fruit in keeping with repentance and and Abraham is our father. The other thing that I've heard uh, on occasion. Uh, you know, my family, or you can fill in whatever blank you want, my grandparents, my spouse, whatever, they go to church, so I'm good. I don't need to be there. I don't need to be part of the body of Christ. They do twice as much work as I do, so I'm covered. No, no, that's not the way this works. See, as the body of Christ, we each have unique gifts, and that's a whole other sermon series. But let me just say, when you don't have that piece of the body in play, 
that body doesn't function as it should. And who decides how that body should function? Who decides how that body gets put together? Not me. God does that. And I look at this congregation as the body of Christ, and I go, wow, God is amazing, because I never would have put you together. <laughs> I, I, no, because you have gifts and talents that complement each other. You can do things that I could never do. You, you all have heard that we have built some houses in the past. You would not want to live in the house that Bill built, right? Trust me. <laughs> because m my wife has the, the numbers of every major service repair necessary so that when I try to do it, then she can just finally call the person that can fix whatever I did, right? That's, that's the way this works. Anybody else with it? Solidarity? Anyone? Anyone? No? Okay. Hey, there you go. All right, one in the back. Awesome. We'll share our list of numbers. All right. So, uh, yeah, we need, to, we need to talk about this uh, idea of not relying on somebody else's faith, but owning our own. And then it also says, uh, listen, this is John the Baptist still talking. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's how I know that Jesus is talking about repentance, the fruit of repentance. And that doesn't necessarily sound exciting or glamorous or even desirable, to be honest with you. But listen to what this sounds like. If you go back to Psalm 51, this is a psalm that uh, David prays. Often it's associated, this is his prayer of confession after he's done a terrible thing. He's created murder and adultery and a child out of wedlock and all these other things. And then he realizes what he's done. And those are the words that we opened with. I don't know if you caught that, but... That's the same psalm. Let me start with what David is, is asking and, and understands about God. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Folks, if this isn't about going through the motions, I don't know what is. And that's what I equate to good church people can sometimes do. I'm not saying this is word, sir. Please don't let it become word, sir. But when we just go through the motions, when we show up and we say the same words that we've always said and sing the same songs that we've always sung without connecting that to our heart, we're going through the motions. That's what he's saying here. It's like these sacrifices in the Old Testament that they did oftentimes were done without any reflection of the heart. In other words, yeah, you know, I did this bad thing, but yeah, I killed an animal. I'm good to go. Uh, no, but my heart hasn't changed, and that's what God wants. Not that he wants to break you. He wants to work in your heart. He wants to work as a connection. A broken and contrite heart you will not despise, and this is what it produces. Listen to this. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a, re a, a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me, what? The joy of your salvation. Now, David is writing well before Jesus, but what's the whole point of Jesus' sacrifice? Salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. <clears throat> what is that willing spirit? That, folks, is the willingness to let God work through us. That's the willingness to say, I'm not in charge, you are. That's the willingness to say, man, I've got some gifts, but I didn't, you gave them to me. And they're not for me, they're for the body of Christ. 
And so, God, you use these however you want. I'm yours. I am willing. Lead. I will follow. And listen to this. This is, the, this is the one that gets me the most. Right after that, David says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. That means to repent. And I will teach them your ways. That's what it's all about at the end of things. How does this work? What do we do? Well, I got two things for you this morning. Here's what our action steps are. One, we need to dig. And two, we need to fertilize. That's Jesus talking. That's not Bill talking. How does this work? Well, as you look uh, through, let, let's see what we got here. Yeah, there's Jesus in the barren fig tree. Let the digging happen. Who digs in this parable? There's that third softball, man. We're three for three. Awesome. Jesus digs. It's not us digging. It's Jesus digging. And this can be very uncomfortable. You're asking the holy one the son of the living God, to come and poke around in my heart, in my mind, in my thoughts? No way. I'm not letting him in there. I got news for you. He's already there. He already knows. See, this poking around and this digging that goes on in our hearts can do a couple of things. It can remove the barriers that stand between us and God. And it can also break through a very hardened heart. And some of us have very hardened hearts. I get that. And you have every right to be angry about the things that have happened to you. You have every right to be bitter about the things that people have done to you. You have every right to not want to feel again because you've been so hurt. You have every right to shore up and protect yourself because that's what we do as human beings. You have every right. But will the Holy Spirit get through that? Will you allow God to work through that? Will you open up one more time, just one more time, and let God work in your heart? Because if we do, we open ourselves up to a whole new world, a whole new way of living, a whole new way of thinking. Because when that hardened soil, whether it's through bitterness or angry, or, or maybe it's through pride, I don't need God. I can do it all. I've got everything I need. I'm the master of my destiny. Well, that destiny has an ending, my friends, and we heard about that earlier. Or we let God dig around. It's all about perspective, isn't it? Because when I think about somebody digging around my heart like the son of the living God, I'm like, ooh, no, that doesn't, no, no, I don't want to do that. But think about it from the other perspective. Think about it from a surgeon's perspective. And they dig around in your body and they remove those barriers. Their motive is not to hurt you. Their motive is not to embarrass you. Their motive is to heal you. And that's Jesus' motive. He's not coming after you to smite you. He's not <laughs> coming after you to, to put you in a chokehold and give you the sleeper hold. No, he, he's coming after you because he wants to heal us. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be open. Why? Because that's when the fertilizer comes through. We just prayed for rain. When that rain comes on hardened soil, it just runs right off. We never get to experience the life-giving nutrients in that rain. Same way with our hearts. God may rain on our hearts, but if it's hardened, if it's calloused, if it's stone and unfeeling, it just runs off. And there's no growth that happens. 
That's why I'm inviting every one of you and everyone you know to a soaking service on Wednesday, this Wednesday. It's going to start at 6.30. I don't know when it's going to end. If we have five people here and they stay five minutes, it ends at 6.35. If we have one person here and they want to stay till 6 a.m., I don't know about Jimmy, but I'm down. We'll make more coffee. We'll get some Holy Spirit. We'll do whatever it takes. But folks, I want you to, to take this time and prepare ourselves. Lent is a perfect time to do this. Open those hearts to Jesus. Don't worry about what other people are going to think or say or do. You're in good hands with Jesus, and that just sounded like Allstate. Man. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes the filter doesn't work fast enough. <laughs> but you are in good hands. You can trust this one because he loves you far more than you can imagine. And when we open ourselves up like that, that Holy Spirit, that rain, the mercies that are new each morning begin to course through us and we begin to be changed. We experience love and forgiveness. We experience restoration, the way that we were meant to be. And we don't have to live as a cold, calloused person in a cold, calloused world. We don't have to live that way anymore because of what he's done. Isn't this good news? Does that give you a sense of hope and joy? I hope so. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be easy, because it's not easy to stand before God and go, here I am. But that's what it takes. Folks, we need to be in repentance. We need to open ourselves up to what the Holy Spirit can do. And don't be afraid about what he's going to find there. He already knows. And let me up the ante one more. Not only does he already know what's in your heart, he knew that when he sent his son to die for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's not holding back. He's not going to go, ooh, I don't like what I see there. I'm out of here. No, that's why he came, so that we can live the life abundant. So, word serve, as we go through this Lenten time, as we go through this soaking service, as we talk about this opportunity to have spiritual questions and, and create things that will be relevant to the society around us, Know this, God loves you more than you can imagine. Jesus loves you enough to give his life for you, and he did. So maybe it's not the time to be fig free. Maybe it's time to be free to fig. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the hard news that he gives us. But God, I'd rather have the hard truth than a soft lie. God, I also thank you that in this hard truth, he provides a way, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. He has already given us everything that we need to live that life abundant. So, God, let us open ourselves to you this morning. As we approach this table, open our hearts. Remove every anxious thought. Remove every barrier that's between us. And let us experience you fully, to be fully known, and to be fully loved by you. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.